Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get onto my show. Howdy, folks. Welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. Thanks for tuning in to part two of my chat with Brandon Ogborn. He wrote a play that I really liked called The Tomcat Project, which was about uh, Tom Cruise and Kitty Holmes getting together. It was put up in Chicago, and uh, it's seen uh, a nice a nice life since then. I hope you pick it up. It's on Amazon or, or his website. Um, so you can hear, I've got a cold. Got it from the kids. They, they, uh, they bring stuff home, you know, and uh, we get it. So the whole house had it. I'm not going to bore you with that, and I'm not going to torture you with my voice anymore. So thanks for tuning in. Here is Brandon. And it's like public record. It's like, yeah, yeah. So stuff you know, does happen. So stuff does happen. Yeah. But I do think like going to all that just to go take out Saddam Hussein. Yeah. Do you think they, you know. I still and, don't understand what that was all about. Frankly. I don't think anybody does. Did you uh, yeah. see Did you see George Bush just like, did you see that thing going around and George Bush paints like war, like soldiers now? What? Yeah. It's, it's, like portraits? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's a painter. Like no, he's not, he's not good. I didn't but, know. I didn't but know. so I saw this thing that was getting shared around that he is doing all these paintings of soldiers. He's like, you know, they're all heroes. Yeah. So I want to like, you know, I'm going to look it up. Look it up. And my thing was like, well, yeah, like they're injured because of you. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. you should, you should paint them. Exactly. Oh, look at that. Wow. Yeah. This, he's just, he's hanging out. Not good. He's just in his studio. Just enjoying his retirement wow they're really really i think they're really bad paintings yeah they're they're like savant you know yeah okay wow a commander-in-chief's tribute to america's warriors yeah that's all his fault yeah i mean do, do you think he th he thought of that and then they all came back and didn't get any help yeah yeah funny okay so okay so Tell my me about this cult you grew up in Okay, so it was not a cult. No, my of parents not. want yes. me to make that clear. Yes. Um, because part of it's like this project I was just meeting my writer friend about. Yeah. What what was what's that about? It, it's just about how I grew up and okay. kind of like my sister and I leaving homeschooling and the church at the yeah. same time and going into the real world. Of how, like, what was a that huge like? Schism between you and your folks, or how'd that go down? Well, that went down like I begged my parents so. I, I start so I'll cover it yeah, real yeah, quick. So yeah, yeah. long story short, my mom was kind of orphaned. Like when she was like twelve, her mom was like, "Yeah, I'm leaving with this guy on a motorcycle. You're on your own." Oh so God. she moved around, lived at different relatives' houses, um, stuff like that. Yeah. And um, a lot of them were southern neighbors and stuff because I my mom has like a southern kind of accent. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how'd you get that? Um, but. Uh, so she was kind of wayward uh -huh. and she had, she met a friend at school or something that was like, you can stay with us. They were in this church. So my mom got into it. Sure. And my dad was looking for a church and somebody was like, Oh, go check this one out. When he was 18, uh -huh. he got, he walks in, he sees my mom. She's playing accordion. Why was he looking for a church? Did he, well, he, grew he, up, he, he, grew up, he grew up in church. I see. And like, he moved to a new area. Regular ones, I guess. I, I don't know why. 
it was still in the same vicinity of where he lived. I see. But somebody recommended this church called Abundant Life Tabernacle uh-huh. in Cloverville. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, pretty close to where they live now. And um, he walked in, sees my mom playing accordion, and it's love at first sight. Playing accordion. Playing accordion. We have an accordion downstairs. I mean, isn't that funny? It could could be the beginning of something <laughs> beautiful. So my mom says to my dad, like, yeah. well, you know, you got to join this church if you want to be with me. And he's like, absolutely. So they're apostolic Pentecostal. You know, basically like, you know, the 19, late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. Well, I'll back up. So Christ dies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Christ dies. Yeah. His disciples are like, fuck, what do we do? Yeah. Well, we go spread the gospel. Yeah. So they all split up. I mean, this is after he came back for three days and said, hey, right, right. Go, go do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. He, they all split up. They're all martyred. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. thank God, because we've got great paintings now. Great paintings. Yeah. Great operas. Yeah, that's right. And um, with the exception of John, who yeah, survived. Was, yeah. He's the only one who died of natural cause, which Jesus's mom moved in with him after. John the Baptist? Yeah. She was. Oh, he got his head cut off. Oh, no, no. Um, the other John. Peter? John, no, 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 no. There are two Johns. John. The one who wrote the book of Revelation. Okay, right. Right? He's the only one, that, like, he was on Cyprus, cast off. They right. they were like, instead of killing you, you're going to go. So he's alone in a cave mm-hmm. for years, writes Revelations. Um, John, or um, Peter and Paul, I believe, go to Corinth in Greece, and they start spreading the gospel. Mm-hmm. But it's occupied by the Romans mm-hmm. at the time. And so part of the teachings, they're like, also, don't look slutty. <laughs> they're like, well, you don't want to look like the Roman skanks. Yeah. So like none of none with the jewelry, none with the makeup. Up. Your hair needs to be covered up, you know. So this catch. So when the 1800s, 1900s, California's where really the revival, tent revivals and stuff started uh-huh. in the late 1800s. Uh-huh. What was that? Why? What was that all about? I don't know. I, that I mean, was around the time of the Kellogg and all the hell mm-hmm, stuff too yeah, going on. Yeah, I think people were just looking. And, and it was around the time of like n- new science and, uh-huh. you know, people g- investing in mediums and like what else is out there sure. and um, Waldorf sure. schools and things like that. Sure. So it was just a time of... Taking pictures of fairies. In the yeah, it was a time of yeah. wacky. Sure. And in California, like these revivals started, um, which were part influenced by like Southern Baptist Mm -hmm. and just Christianity exploded. And with the explosion, lots of branches started. They were like, hey, we're going to be Church of God. Okay, we're going to be Unitarian. Mm -hmm. We're going to be Universalist. We're going to be this. And it splits off. We're Assemblies of God. Yeah. And then this sect, Apostolic Pentecostal, is like, well, you guys are doing that. We're going to long dresses for the ladies. Ladies aren't allowed to cut their hair. Guys can't wear T-shirts out in public. They have to have like a button up, yeah. no sideburns, like on and on and on. And yeah. they're spirit filled, but there's no snake handling. But they gain most of their steam in the 60s. I like how that lends uh, yeah, an yeah. air of like legitimacy. They're like, no, no, no. But, but, but there is but no snake we handling. Will, <laughs> we will not associate with serpents. Not our job. <laughs> Nobody has a degree. Um, so that's w- where that really kicked off. In they're mostly concentrated in the Midwest. There are churches out here. You'll see, you'll see people every now and then, long dresses, yeah. 
denim. They're usually what African American or white. There's I just never see not, anything. They don't have like doilies on their heads. No, no, no. The, the, the ladies uh-huh. just have long hair in buns. Uh huh. So I grew up in that till about age seven. My sister was like nine. Uh huh. And just one the two day, of you? just the two kids, just the two, uh-huh. and now there's a third. My sister Lexi. Uh huh. And one day, my mom, as as this is what I was writing about, so I kind of got the stories recently. My mom was washing her hair, and mind you, her hair is down to her ankles. Yeah, it's like she's a got like neck affair. neck problems now wow. that she's like pretty convinced is like for 15 years she had this yeah, massive bun of hair. hair. Yeah, yeah, and um, she would use. My dad said she would use like a half a bottle shampoo every time she washed her hair. Yeah, and it would just it was so much. She's laying in bed with my dad, and she says, why would God do this to me? Why would God give me this burden? He's like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> he's, I think he's kind of like, well, it was your idea. Yeah, You're the one who got me in this. Um, and kind of leading up to that, they were like, you know, this doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. So we got this book called Women's Adornment that uh-huh. was all about these interpretations of the scriptures. And he read it, and he was kind of like, Oh, like this was this was just for Jews in Corinth at the time. Right. This isn't for us in the Midwest. Not, in now. the Midwest in the nineties culture wars. You right. Know? Right. So he starts asking questions. He sets up a meeting with the pastor. He's like, here, here, here. And the guy's like, Nope, no, you know, too bad. And my mom cuts her hair. Not like real short, yeah. just like you yeah. know, to her middle back or something. Yeah. And they're like, well, you can stick around in this church, but now you're not allowed to teach Sunday school and you have to sit in the back row like guests. What? So my parents are like, forget it. They leave and like, a, they get like three or four other families start following them and yeah. they go. So then we well, went there to- There wasn't any trouble with the church like- There was no harassment. Yeah, no, yeah, nothing yeah. like Scientology, thank yeah. God. Just like the worst would be be like at a grocery store and we'd see somebody yeah, from the back, church and they just and... turn their back, you know, yeah. or they'd come up and they'd be like, we're really praying that you come back, yeah. you know, so you don't burn in hell. Yeah. Well, they, but thank it, you. Yeah, yeah. But it was weird growing up because my like my grandma was a Christian, but she wore slacks uh-huh. and had short hair. So I'd be like, Dad, is grandma going to hell? And she's like, <laughs> is she uh, promiscuous? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I don't, I don't think, I think God will judge everybody a little differently. Now, what do your parents think now? Are they still religious? They still go to church. Uh-huh. Um, but they're pretty more lax. More mainstream church. Yeah, it's more mainstream church. But I think because of the way they kind of grew up, like they get so much out of church. Sure. Like I still go to church here and there because I, I just like it. You do? What do you like about it? I mean, like, I'm at a good one in Long Beach. Are you a believer? Like, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and all that mm, stuff? I don't know. I really don't know. But yeah. I know that I do like the sense of community at church. You know, like, a girl from my church was in this horrible accident a yeah. couple weeks ago. Like, multiple surgeries. Like, she got hit on her moped. Oh, my God. And maybe it's just because there's not a lot of Midwest I get out here. But, like, I do like the group from church of like my friends are like Marnie got in this horrible accident. Yeah. Here's a Kickstarter we started for like, and I'm like, great. Like I'm going to make food to bring because their family's coming from Wisconsin. So I like bring meals over Mm -hmm. and I, and like getting my restaurant to like donate money so they can eat. Like I just like it. Sure. Um, And the pastor is just really intelligent. No, no, no. It's like a hip, you know, it's like the garden, but it's more of like a community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like agape type thing. And I like the pastor because he'll use 
the biblical teachings and he really explains it. He really knows his history. Mm-hmm. He's not just one of these guys like, well, God says this. He'll be like, well, I was listening to Kanye West mm-hmm. and I watched the Simpsons episode mm-hmm. and I got in this argument at the DMV. So, so there's more like it's applicable. Yeah. In yeah, yeah, today's yeah. day and age, yeah. without trying to be like we're the cool church. So, long story short, my parents are in regular church. Yeah, but I think they do it mostly forgiving. Like the churches they go to are always like ragamuffin churches. Uh-huh. It'll be like, oh, our friend Al started a church, and I'm like, Al, like what? Like <laughs> Al with diabetes, and like, yeah, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, he started church. It's like in an abandoned Joanne Fabrics and there's five people. Like I came home and we go to this church and it's like all Al's family who are all like totally dysfunctional, like alcoholics and heavy smokers and are like dying, you know? And it's like, there's one guy on keyboard and I'm like, mom and dad, like, why are you, this isn't a church. Yeah. Well, what's the motivation? And then they'll leave and they'll go to like another one, but they like to help. I see. So like, it, I think it gives a like all things, it that. gives them purpose. So yeah. like, they're the most helpful people I've ever met. Oh, like nice. they will, I'll, like every time I talk to them, they're volunteering for something, but it's not like some big thing. It'll be just like, oh, this person's sick or I had to give this person a ride to court mm-hmm. or like we helped put up bail money for this person who's in trouble and your dad and I are helping them get a job. How, how are they you financially? Know? Are they pretty well? They're okay. okay. I mean, they have a modest, you know, ranch style house that was $100,000, you know. Um, And my dad still got his businesses and stuff. But it's not like big, you know. But they're just, they just like, their version of help will be like, my mom will be like, well, I was at the subway and I saw this single mom and she was just having a tough time. So I just gave her $50 and I said, the Lord told me to. You know, that's and really that's like, sweet. that's what sh- she'll do if that's... she even tells you. Like, here, let me get the dog out of here. Yeah. Come on, Sam, let's go. Thank you. Come on. So I think I get a little bit of that. Yeah. In that, like, where I live in Long Beach, there's like some real roughnecks who hang out in my alley, like dr- drug addicts, like okay. meth and opiates is like a big thing. So there'll be these kind of like street people hanging out who are, you know, sketchy. Yeah. And my girlfriend will be like real scared of them. Cause I grew up like relatively inner city, like very diverse, like, you know, just co- colorful, not yeah. in the racial sense, but like the yeah, weird yeah, yeah. sense of like, yeah, there were pedophiles. The like outsiders. Back yeah. in the old days, like the pedophiles literally were like, in vans and they'd come up you know yeah that's right but like the homeless and everybody knew them too like mom would say mom don't, knew. don't go yeah. over to someone's don't, house don't go to his house yeah. why mom well he's a little weird yeah know? or she'll be like you know johnny jupiter is a molester and johnny jupiter was the guy who'd like bring his lawnmower around and try to like mow people's lawn exactly and like the homeless guy was like pop can pete yeah the schizophrenic and my yeah. mom's like well that's just pop can pete he'd come around my neighborhood when i was little all the kids would make fun of him and hit him with pop cans you yeah. know yeah yeah whereas jenna grew up like more like lily white like cul-de-sac suburban sure. in wisconsin so the kind of where i like when i see the people in my alley i'm like hey you want a sandwich you know or yeah chit chat with them yeah and i and so it, it could be dangerous and like this guy this meth guy in the alley or opiate guy i think he's got mental stuff too but like 
I called my dad because I was like, you know, these guys are like really bothered. You know, Jenna comes over late at night and yeah. it's like they're all just hanging out. They're not dangerous, but like, you know, should I call 311 or like have the cops move him? And he's like, no, oh, your neighbor's being gentrified. Like, you know, it'll sort itself out. Yeah. But I say hi to the guy and I'm like, maybe I'll give him some food. I don't know. And then the next night I hear like, ah, like this screaming. Yeah. And I run, I run to the window and look, and that guy, his name's Matthew. Yeah. I don't think he'll be listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like running in those cop cars, like flying down the app. So me being like the nosy, like I put on my flip flops, so I like run out to see. And he's like being cuffed and all the neighbors are out. And I'm like, oh, what happened? And they're like, the cop's like, well, he's got a restraining order. He's not supposed to be over. And this neighbor upstairs at the corner is like, yeah, my wife got the restraining order. Oh and I'm like, God, what happened? And he's like, we had him over for Thanksgiving and he puts a knife to my throat. And I'm like, <laughs> like good, good thing I didn't invite this guy up. But then my next door neighbor was like, he's like, his name's Justin. He's like, man, that dude didn't invite him over for Thanksgiving. He was like, they was cooking up. <laughs> I was like, how do you know? He's like, Man, that dude up front, he's always cooking up something. I was taking my kid to the bus stop the other day, and he's like, yo, man, I'm making edibles. Can you hold on to this butter? <laughs> this is what he goes. He goes, can you hold on to this butter for me? And I go, man, what do I look like, the butter holder? <laughs> he's like, you can't trust what that dude says. He's all messed up. <laughs> Yeah, every now and then I'll be like, what am I, the butter holder? That is so funny. Yeah, so I don't know. So because of my parents, I got to like dial yeah. it. I got to dial it back a yeah, little it's bit. It's a different thing out here, man. Because I... my dad, I mean, I remember like being lost, you know, before we were talking before yeah. GPS. Yeah. And we were like driving to Florida or something yeah. for like Disney World. And we're like in a Kmart parking lot at two in the morning. My dad's like looking at an atlas and a guy knocks at the window. Mm -hmm. My dad's like, how you doing? And the guy's like, hey, I'm, you know, lost. I need to get an oil change. Can you? So my dad's like, sure, here's 10 bucks. Yeah. And the guy's like, I'll mail my driver's license to you. And my dad's like, don't worry about it. Right, right. Like, what? never in a million years well, the thing, the would I really like, roll down in, my window. In the Midwest, not only are people um, more ready to help other people, I think the people that need help are also ready to receive. Mm -hmm. You know, it's reciprocal. Out here, people aren't prepared to receive anything. So even yeah. so your intentions That's sometimes a good way don't, to say it. don't line up with their intentions. Like I think... I mean, growing up, like your car would die all the time in the winter. Get a jump. Yeah, people. Would Everybody give, you a, give ride. a jump. Yeah, yeah, or give me a ride. And here I'm like, I can't, I, I can't imagine. Like, I, I, I saw a. somebody give somebody a jump one time. Yeah, and I gave somebody a jump one time, yeah. and I remember when I offered, they were like, so shocked, exactly. and and their ego was involved. And I'm like, and they're like, oh, is this guy gonna try and rape me? Or yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what's his no, deal? You, you get a jump yeah. from, but it's like a shocking thing. Yeah. To people see. are very suspicious yeah here uh, you know and i maybe that's why our organizations are so strong i mean we've got like soup kitchens and the downtown yeah. mission and the yeah. aclu is very strong and you know people give institutionally here but individually it's really hard yeah maybe there's not enough of that i heard judd apatow interviewed and he does charity but he always does like one that nobody's doing yeah. like a real small one yeah because he just wants that connection yeah. in part of like you're not giving it to ACLU. You're giving it to like 
these three lawyers who work for this neighborhood right for you know or whatever it's like you get to you know the people yeah is i think and maybe that's what goes back to like the church thing yeah it's like they help out their immediate neighborhood um they know the people in the immediate neighborhood right. i know them right so i kind of like to be involved that way yeah i think that kind of explains i i've got a couple of friends that um i shouldn't say oh i I should just say, in general, I think Trump supporters uh, think that we should take care of each other. That the church takes care of, yeah. of the neighborhood, and you get you you go and do charitable deeds, and that's how things get done. And as a Californian, I'm like, that's not at all how it's not going to work done. unless you legislate people giving to these causes. They're not going to give shit. Yeah. So we need a president that's like, yeah, part of your tax dollars goes to helping yeah. these people. That that does come to a fundamental thing of like my parents are we able to pause for a minute if i use that yeah. i have to go like really bad no i i mean i haven't been able to really i've gotten it to work when nobody's around just like everything so maybe it doesn't happen maybe it's all it's, in your not, it's just not gonna happen yeah i might just return it i don't know oh i was gonna say so about the local yeah you know in the church it's so deep-seated like my dad's hatred of the clintons yeah. and all that it goes so far back to that. Like growing up when I was homeschooled, mm -hmm. one of the books he had me read and like write a report on yeah. um, among like Reagan biographies yeah. <laughs> was this book called The Tragedy of American Compassion. And it was written by kind of a George Will, like a right wing intellect sure. kind of guy. Um, like what's his name? Who the guy who debated um, Gorbidal. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I can I never remember the Buckley. Yeah, yeah, William Bill, Buckley. Buckley Jr. Yeah, I used to love listening to him. I hated everything he said, but I loved. But the way so he eloquent. Said yeah, yeah, that mid-Atlantic yes. accent. Yeah. Exactly. So it was written by kind of a Buckleyite. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you could call him that. Mm -hmm. But it's all about homelessness in America yeah. and how when the barons, the um, Gilded Age barons, um, their wives were the ones that were like, "We will invest in the." homeless and we'll right. build institutions right. you know and all these real philanthropy real yeah. philanthropy yeah. they started these different houses and this guy presupposes or supposes that as they did homelessness increased because beforehand um if someone was a beggar they would be arrested or whatever but the family was liable right so if you had a destitute cousin the family had to take care of him. Right. They had to pay for him. If he had gambling debts, the family, you know, so there right. was this accountability mm -hmm. or the local church. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was kind of the beginning of the institutionalization of responsibility. I grew up that way, though. I don't understand how, when that changed because I grew up in the 70s and my mom used to say, if you go out and break that neighbor's window, we're going to have to pay for it. We're liable mm -hmm. for it. Is that just not the case anymore? I mean, that seems you know, crazy. I, I, one of the things listening to your show which is great, by the way. Oh, um, hearing that conversation you had with Adriana yeah. about her going to that party with Franz, yeah. and the kids just playing in the street, yeah, and and like letting go of that because you grew up playing in the street. Yeah, I grew up playing in the street. Yeah, I mean, I grew up getting in trouble all the time, Me too. breaking windows, breaking into buildings. You know, there'd be abandoned warehouses because yeah. you know it's a Rust sure. Belt city where I grew up. Yeah, and See, like for us, it was new development. Right? Okay, like we were talking about these cul-de-sac neighborhoods. Yeah. We used to go out to these neighborhoods, and the houses were being built, like in stages yeah. being built. We'd yeah, go the, and walk through them. And... Did Did you see Boyhood? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what a movie. But yeah. I remember that scene. That's a Linklater where they're, movie? Linklater, yeah. 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 Where they're, I, and I love how tangen, tangential it is, but there's that scene where the boys are playing in the new development yeah. and nobody's in there and they're drinking beers. Yeah. I think they're throwing like an axe or like a, uh, yeah, a handsaw. Yeah, something. And I'm like, oh my God, something bad's going to happen. Throughout that movie, I was like, do you remember that? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and the dad has stuff. a roommate and he, and the little girl sleeping on the couch. And I'm like, oh no, she's going to rape her. Yeah, yeah. Nothing happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just. We've been conditioned to think that all that's so, conditioned. so abnormal. Yeah. yeah. And and I miss that. Yeah, me too. I miss. In Chicago, I felt happy my stepdaughter, Rain, raising her there because she was on her own all the time of like taking this bus and yeah. taking the train and getting into mischief and shoplifting and yeah. you know when she shoplifted i was just like well i'm not going to come bail you out until i'm done making dinner for your mom you know you're on your own and, yeah. and she's so well adjusted now yeah she she i think i feel like she almost got like one of the rare midwest things i think that's why she's so cool now like i told you when i talked to her today she's like yeah. yeah i'm taking two weeks off of school to go protest the pipeline and i'm like all right well i don't have any bail money but you know go ahead Good luck like have fun yeah for thanksgiving feeding the native americans Learn and some indian words yeah and she's like yeah they're gonna start construction on it tomorrow so it's I probably thought, gonna be pretty wild obama just pulled the leases on that well if he did i should give her a call so she doesn't waste the trip That's, i just read it this morning wow uh, so that yeah. means they're not gonna be able to do anything as far well i just read the headline yeah we, we should look it, that it up. It might have yeah. been just a picture of a sandwich. I don't know what the article was about. <laughs> when nobody's here, not, all of your stuff works and everything is a picture of a sandwich. <laughs> your wife comes back. She's like, what did you do? So much. I wrote a book. I no, said, you didn't. Yeah. No, it's just a picture of a sandwich. Yeah. So, yeah, I uh, then I, I got into public school because I really wanted to. And I was kind of like a joker around the neighborhood. Yeah. My grandpa was really funny. I kind of got into comedy from seeing funny relatives and like because of the religion we we're in, like a lot of outside influence was closed off with pop culture. So like I yeah, grew did, you, did you have TV? We had a TV, but you were only allowed to watch movies on it. Okay. And they were they couldn't have profanity or nudity. So most of the movies we watched we get at the library and it was like the Marx Brothers, Frank Capra movies. Never Betty Davis story. movies. Yeah. No, not Never Ending Story because really? it was demonic. Oh. The creatures were like, you know, oh. it, almost like a list of so bad like books. Singing in the Rain, that kind of stuff. Singing in the Rain. Yeah, Devil and Daniel Webster. It's a Wonderful Life. I've seen probably well over 100 times. Um, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. So you had no news, no topical information? Not no, really. Nothing not, political? I mean, I'm sure my parents got it from the newspaper yeah. and stuff, but... Um, until I, what age like how how when did you finally break out into the world i was well so we left the church when i was seven but we were okay. still in regular churches yeah. so i didn't get into public school till i was 14 or 15 i see but leading up to that like i started to hang out with public school kids what was that like i was did i like got pretty popular because did. i made my way as a comedian as yeah. far as like they were like you're oh that funny weirdo dude bubba that's my nickname yeah do you still go by bubba yeah you do a lot i mean for friends like, do you like it yeah I, I think the weird thing was like i went by bubba all growing up like my i was born my older sister they said this is brandon your brother and she said bob so bubba bob stuck yeah. all through high school everything yeah and then when i got married to 
my ex who was much older than me yeah and it had a kid that i was like i'm gonna do this i felt so young and you know all her friends were like in their 30s so i wanted to be like i don't want to be like also i have a magical nickname <laughs> so i went by brandon for like you know six seven years and i i just never liked it and then when i got i used to work at trader joe's in chicago and they're yeah. like okay we're making your name tag um you know there's three other brandons that work here do you have a nickname and i was like okay yeah, Bubba. Like you re resurrected it. Like I re Trader I Jones. resurrected it, and so then like my improv friends, like I was, I just kind of was like, yeah, Bubba, and I started to introduce, reintroduce it. Yeah. So some people will still be like Brandon, but anybody that knows me well usually refers to me as uh, yeah, Bubba. I mean, like my agents don't, and like you know, my I don't write it on my thing, but like where I work, yeah, yeah it's like Bubba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was Brandon Ogborn. Thanks, Brandon, for being uh, on the show. We had such a nice uh, long chat. We're going to have two more Wednesdays to wrap that up. And uh, I want to thank Michael Nielsen for letting me use his awesome Shure SM7B microphone. I want to thank Greg Geiger for helping me with my theme song. And I want to thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. I'm going to go rest my voice. I hope you have a great rest of the week. And uh, I'll see you on like Monday. Till then. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius. Get onto my show.